Hey, welcome back to The Craft, where we explore what we're learning about the creative process. I'm Colby, and I'm here with my friend Carter, and today we are talking about practice to become a master of your craft, drills, and projects. Yeah, so we are going to see where this conversation leads us, because I feel like we have a lot of different topics and ideas that we want to play around with. So I'm just going to start with kind of the first thing that came to my mind, and I'll throw it out there and see what you think. Sweet. Let's do it. When we were talking about the idea for the episode, one of the things that prompted my mind was this emphasis on doing, on doing projects, on creating drafts. And, you know, that's a huge, that's a huge part of the creative process. But I wonder to what extent this emphasis on doing can be counterproductive. And so, you know, Nike's slogan, just do it, right? Go out there. You want to write a novel? Well, what's holding you back? Sit down and do it. Learn a language in two weeks. Lose 20 pounds in a couple of days, right? These, I feel like there are a lot of narratives about realization of goals really quickly. And I think sometimes those can infiltrate the creative process. So the problem I see with just do it, right? Sit down, write the thing that you've been meaning to write, produce the album that you've been meaning to produce, is that you probably can't do it. And so I think there's a difference between the emphasis on, yes, you actually have to take that first step and getting pushed out of lethargy or pushed out of fear or pushed out of something that's keeping you from doing it. There's a difference between that and I think an insistence upon immediate action. As if if you as if if you just sat down and did the thing, then you could write the great novel. But I think when we get into that, we ignore that, okay, I can't do some things. Right? I can't learn a language in two weeks, right? There's there's the step of practice that sometimes gets occluded, I think, in the conversations where we get a lot of go out, do it, put the pen to paper without enough emphasis on in order to do something worthwhile, it's actually going to be a slow process. You're actually going to have to practice. And not only practice, you're going to have to practice with intention. So I guess the first thing, out of a couple of jumbled thoughts there, do you sense that there's kind of an emphasis on just doing it or starting a new project or getting a bunch of projects done, like just write, 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 or or create, create, create? How much do you think that's helpful, not helpful? Yeah, what are your kind of initial thoughts with some of those tensions? So I think what what I hear you saying is like basically – there's a pressure to publish too soon and that leads people to skip the practice. And so, cause it's like practice is doing. So that's not the part that you're saying you should stop practicing. You're just saying you should stop maybe feeling the pressure to ship your work before it's ready or ship work before you've just made some things to practice and made some, some crappy art on the way to some great art. Like you have to, you have to put in your 10,000 hours. You have to put in your, you have to put in your time and your practice before you are going to make something that you probably should share. So it's kind of like pushing back on the, uh, 
maybe pushing back on the ideas of like in the startup, in the tech space, there's like a lot of people that do like build in public. So I'm kind of curious. I don't know oh, that's what your thoughts are on that. Cause it's this idea of like, whenever you're starting a project or a company or a side project or something, just sharing the really raw and real feedback. Like, Hey, here's a screenshot of our first dollar that we made. Here's a, you know, here's the numbers of our email list. We got 15 people now we have 25 people now, like, and showing like, Hey, or here's our product, you know, version one is kind of crappy. And then version two is a little better. Like there's definitely an emphasis on that transparency that I've seen, which is, so it's interesting. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that type of thing. Like taking your works in progress and sharing them publicly because the difference is like making a company is a different game than making art, you know, because there's something about the reveal of like an album where it's like, I don't want to listen to a half made album necessarily unless it's some kind of bonus content, you know, like what do you think about that? Okay. So I like this. Let me turn it right back onto you. Why do you think people do the build in public or why do you think companies are doing it? I think it's a really great way to build community and market and build awareness and some like loyal early customers because they kind of see the humanity of like what you're doing and get to see the growth with you. That's my take. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think you're right to draw a distinction between inviting people to come into something that you're building in a community and I guess, I mean, there's all sorts of business incentives with that, right? You're getting customers who feel like they're part of the process. You're going to get more loyalty and that sort of thing. And that is a little different than like, you don't want to listen to the unmixed. I don't think you would. The unmixed tracks with half the lyrics written. I mean, sometimes artists do that, but they typically, it seems like do this afterwards where they'll do a nice, I don't know. I think I've seen some videos on YouTube, like John Mayer will do a, you know, eight minute video about the the making of slow train home or or whatever the track Mm -hmm. uh, is called. But it seems to be like an afterwards thing, not a, and maybe this is changing with live streams and that sort of stuff. I think it it is evolving. Like there's definitely people that are like, well, famously in like last year, Charlie Puth started doing that a lot with some of his songs on TikTok where he would be like, what if there's a song that does, that starts like this and he would like hum it and then it would, pop up on his computer and you know it was as if he was making it real time oh that's interesting um i feel like it was more marketing and stuff but to build hype around the song but anyways i feel getting back to kind of the first thing you said i think it's really interesting to to like the reason this conversation was sparked when we were talking about this a few days ago was like just me bringing up practice and and wanting to do more drills and practice for music production this year and i think that you, one of the things you said that stuck out was like practice is underrated, you know, like it's so important and so many, it's, there's such a temptation to just be focused on shipping and producing or publishing that and like growing an audience and those types of metrics, like the success metrics that I think you can get distracted from the, the one thing that you are in control of, which is putting in your time and getting better. Like you're not in control of how many people like follow you on Instagram. You can do things to improve that number, but you are not in control of that. But you are in control of sitting down every day and putting in the practice to become better at whatever that craft is. 
And I think I, I fully agree with what you're saying on that part in terms of just, but I wonder what, when do you think, what is the balance? Like, when do you think it's right sure. to say this is ready to publish or I'm going to continue practicing, but I want to put this out for the world? Like, what do you think about that? Okay, let me indirectly answer your question. This is the kind of fear that I think was concern that we talked about the other day. Let's say I go and I want to write, you know, I want to write a novel and I want to write several novels. So I sit down and I write, let's say, five novels in the next two years. What if every one of them was bad? (laughs) Would that be, okay, there's one school of thought that says, okay, yeah, you have to write a bunch of stuff, which is true in order to get better. But what if instead, right, I spend a year practicing specific drills, right? I'm working with free indirect discourse. I'm trying to to get better at my lyricism. I'm trying to work on my dialogue. And I'm doing like set drills. And then I write half of one novel. I write one novel with it. I guess to me, I'm starting to realize I'd much rather be in the long, slow game where I'm trying to maybe take my output down. I think, Mm. okay, I'm really kind of working this out as we're talking here. Yeah. Trying to move from, let me throw a hundred novels at the wall and see if one sticks, which there's this great Cormac McCarthy in an interview. He was like, yeah, I could probably write, you know, I think he said something like 20, just, I can't remember what he called them, money and sex novels or something a year. Mm -hmm. And he's like, if I did that for 20 years, I would have a bestseller. And, you know, he's like, it's not difficult for me to crank out material. But if you look at his career, right, he's averaging like two to three novels a decade because he said nothing leaves my desk. That's not the best I can do. And I think for me as a writer, I'm starting to realize I could write a novel, sure, but I don't think it would be that good. <laughs> like I just, I think that there's some things I can't just do it. Like I literally can't. And so mm. I'm starting to reevaluate and say, okay, instead of just trying to do it, which I think, you know, at some point you have to, what if I just recognize, okay, maybe I can't yet. And what I actually need is more practice. And what I actually need are more drills. And I do think you're right. There's a point where you've got to get beyond, okay, I'm still practicing and actually publish, right? Actually ship. It's part of our kind of creative first principles. But I do think maybe the narrative or the zeitgeist is more about quick publishing and more about Mm -hmm. just get it out there, get it out there, get it out there where I don't know. That seems less than satisfying to me. Does any of that stick? It feels like the artist in you, you know, it's like, are, am I going to settle basically for it's all what I'm hearing is like, okay, I, I, I know I could make a novel just to keep going with that metaphor. I know that I, I know the steps I would need to take. I would, do step one. I would do, st- I would, yes. the metaphor that comes to mind is like, it's like building a, ha- a house. I could do it. I just, I lay the bricks. It's just a slog. You just put in the work and you can do it really fast. You get enough energy, time and resources in there and you can, you know, you can do it, but then you might step back and be like, wow, this thing is like crooked and it does not look like it's sturdy and it was very rushed and it's not even like the houses around it. There's, it doesn't fit well within the the timeline and the zeitgeist or whatever. 
So you could do it, but but you realize like it would suck basically. And so instead you want to step back from focusing on that project and focus on the drills, focus on the specifics to learn what, what it takes to build a house or what it takes to make a novel, a great novel. And then later you'll go in and apply that. I think that's a great metaphor because I think my fear would be, and I keep saying fear, and I guess it is kind of a, a good fear. The fear would be to build five really bad houses and spend all that energy doing the same mistakes, right? Like that's a concern. Like, And I think I was in a headspace for a while, which is not a bad place to be of, okay, do you want to be a writer? We'll start writing. That's absolutely true. You have to write. And you're going to write bad stuff, and that's part of the process. But I guess now I'm starting to say, what if I can write less bad stuff? (laughs) Because if I don't practice specific drills, I think there's a going to be a real danger of not improving. I guess Mm -hmm. that's what I'm kind of concerned about. Like, if you're going to improve Mm -hmm. on anything, like let's say learning an instrument, right? You're going to have to like do like specific practice. I mean, you're going to have to do your scales. You're going to have to work on little tiny segments. You don't just play, you know, pull up the chords and play a couple songs poorly again and again. Yeah, you're going to get better. Well, you can do that. <laughs> you can do that, right? But your your progress is going to be slow and grinding. I don't know. Could you do something with yeah. that metaphor? I don't know. Maybe yeah, speak to that. Yeah, I think that. that actually, I mean, this might just be recapping what you just said, but I, I hear what you're saying now in that metaphor. So you start to learn guitar. You're like, okay, I know the chords now. Boom, I'm going to just start performing. And then you can do yes. that. You can just go straight into like, I'm playing all these songs, but you're spending all of your time playing songs and looking up chords and you're never learning scales. You're not learning melodies and solos and um, arpeggios and all these different things. And so then, you know, you're you're basically you might be going deep on one specific thing, but you haven't gone wide enough yet to know if that's the right thing to go deep on. And you also, you're probably, you're going to hit a point where you've, you just plateau. You're just using the same skills you learned for like one or two years. That's it. Like over and over again. And so for you, it's like, if you've been writing for, let's say like, like taking this seriously for like 10 years or something, then, you know, but you're, you're still doing the same things through those whole 10 years. Or, or for like, let's say the next 10 years, you you don't do any drills and really refine specific parts of writing, then you are probably going to spit out lots of the same type of, you know, use the same exactly. skills each time. Dude, that's the exact, you summarize that perfectly. And I guess this is part of even the conversation we had for the end of the year review, where I said my conception of revision is changing a little bit. That you yeah, have to actually that. learn what you need to be revising toward if you're going to make progress in your revision. Because if you don't know what how to revise, then I can say I'm going to revise, revise. But if they're not good revisions, then you know, you've kind of missed the point. So here's the iron, here's the funny thing. We're both coming at this same conversation from two opposite ends of the spectrum. Because last year. Well, I don't know the specifics for you, but it sounds like for you, you were so focused on projects and writing, but I didn't put out any music last year. Yes. I worked on one project, so I took a break. So for me, I, I wrote down these two points. Drills help you break the craft down. Projects help you put the craft together. And so for me, I, now to be fair, I wasn't spending last year doing drills, but 
it's like in my mind, I actually think that there's this idea that I want to throw in here just to kind of make, it's a critical question, I think, based on what you're saying. So I read a book last year called Ultra Learning by Scott Young. I think we talked about this maybe, but one of the big takeaways from that book was how it's a book basically about how to be a better learner, whether it's Spanish or guitar or anything in between. And one of the big lessons of that book was that one of the ways that traditional schooling fails people is that you learn something in the classroom and then you go into the real world and it's very hard to transfer that knowledge from the classroom to the real world, whether that's at work or whatever it may be in the home. And so the idea, one of the ways that you can fight against that, it's called transfer of knowledge. One of the ways that you can have a better transfer of knowledge is through direct practice. That was like one of the key ideas of the book. And so direct practice ties into drilling. So for example, this is maybe going to break down as a metaphor because it's not taught in school, but like if you only practice baseball and you only practice hitting and throwing and catching, et cetera, but you never play a game, then you're missing like a whole new set of skills that only happen when you're playing the game. Nice. Nice. Like communication and plays, strategy, reading people, like whatever you would know what that list of things is better than me. But so so I think that the projects can be a really powerful way to like whether that's like scrimmages, you know, practice games or something, it doesn't have to be like going back to the creative side of things. It doesn't have to be publishing a novel for you to use it. But I think there's a real, whenever we're talking about practice, there needs to be like individual items, drills, like for me as a producer, maybe that's practicing my guitar or maybe that's and getting better at specific parts of that. Or maybe it's practicing like mixing and mastering and sound design and finding instrumental sound, you know, sound design, kind of the same thing, but finding the right sounds and chords and like harmonies and theory. Like I could spend a ton of time and become really good at even just one of those things would take a lifetime. So it's like, you really need to break things down and do drills for that. But then you need projects, which would be songs, EPs, albums, for me, maybe that's even like pretending or recreating an, a song that's already been made so that I take all those individual like components and like put them together into a bigger project. So what do you, how do you think that fits into to your thoughts on publishing? Okay, I really like the drills help you break down the craft and the projects help you put your craft together. I think that's really helpful way to conceptualize it. To go with this metaphor the sport metaphor a little longer because I think it's so rich. It would be kind of ridiculous if like you were a basketball player and you just did dribbling drills all the time, but you never actually played any games, right? <laughs> like it's just so, it's like so obvious. I think you do the drills that are very specific in order, like you said, to translate that into the thing itself, into that, which you want to materialize, right? The drills, the practice are not really for their own sake. They're in service. And that's not to mean that the practice can't be meaningful. It, you know, it certainly can be, but it's not for itself. And I think we understand this in so many areas of life, like the sports one is so clear, 
But sometimes right. I think in the creative world, it's not as explicit. Like for instance, like imitation is a great way to practice your style. Find a writer that you really like, copy a couple of paragraphs, right? Just feel what it feels like to write that. See it. You get a much better understanding when you step into it. Or like you said, taking a song and maybe trying to replicate it or, or doing something that's explicitly imitation and working on specific things. Those are the kind of, I think, practical drills that we don't do as much. I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking to myself. There's a tendency to want to create and create, and that's good. I mean, it's part of the artistic life. But sometimes, like, we have to create things or imitate or do these drills that aren't standalone. Yeah. And there's a pressure whenever you feel like every single project that I'm starting is going to be seen by the world. Like, I'm yes. going to publish it and post it. Then there's, there's no, I think for me, there's no feeling of freedom of like, oh, I can put this goofy idea in that's kind of, I don't know if it's cool or goofy or cheesy. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm not going to do it because I don't know because this is going to be public. So I think if you never give yourself the space to like screw up and just kick the tires around and, you know, knowing that, hey, this is practice right now, then then you aren't going to maybe get to some of those ideas that are going to be a little crazy at first, but then sound, then end up being amazing. So. Yeah, I think the, I, mean, I think the off. yeah, I think the input or sorry, the emphasis is on putting the craft together. Right? That's the that's what people are looking for. That's what you're excited to do. I mean, that's why you do what you do is to create a project. But the emphasis I think sometimes in just creative discourses is on that and not enough on breaking down the craft into its drills because that's mm-hmm. where I think you really learn to do what you can't do. Because I feel the problem of, well, I can't write this novel because I don't have the chops. Right? I don't have the skills in this way, and that's fine. But I don't think I can cultivate the skills just willy-nilly going out there and just trying to do it. I think it's probably, like anything else in life, going to require some specific things. Like, okay, let me work on X. Let me work on this. And I just think the idea of drills brings it down to something very specific and you can get really precise. And I don't think those are, you know, I don't think it's like, okay, I can trace the exact relationship between doing this drill and doing the project, but doing the drill is cultivating something like your taste. It's cultivating those immaterial qualities of how you do your art and they're seeping in, right? It's giving memory to your mental capacities. There's a great quote by uh, Sam Snead, who's a really famous uh, golfer, who said that practice puts brains in your muscle. And it's very, I think, similar to to creativity of like practice gives some sort of intelligence or memory to your faculties when you're creating. So what are some of the drills you're going to do in 2023 uh, for writing. Ooh, threw in the court. Well, I I do some imitation of prose and I have done some, not consistently. So it's going to be a really busy upcoming semester with exams. So I don't know how much of that I'll do. It's it's a practice mm-hmm. I want to do my whole life, I think. And so that 
will continue. Uh, I would also, just with this upcoming couple of months, I'm going to be reading a lot. And so I'm going to try to pay specific attention to the style of the prose that I'm reading. Uh, mm-hmm. And just trying to be a little mindful of style. So reading a novel, right, you're paying attention to the plot and the characterization and the themes. But sometimes, right, you need to kind of step back, get a little bit meta, look at the text outside of itself and say, okay, how is the effect being created? How is the aesthetic representation being formed? What are those practical tools? And I'm just going to try to be cognizant of that, which I try to do anyway, but I think it'll be a great opportunity with the amount of reading that I'm going to be doing uh, in the upcoming months to try to be intentional about that. And then hopefully I can slip in some practice too. I really like direct imitation. I think mm-hmm. it's just sometimes I'll read a sentence and I'm like, how does that person write that sentence? It's so good. And so I think it's helpful just to write that yourself and kind of feel what it feels like to do something like that. It's almost as if you had someone's hands on, let's go back to the golf swing and their arms were kind of guiding your hands. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, you're not doing it, but you're kind of getting your hands guided. And you're like, Oh, that's where they should be. That's how that should feel. Yeah. You have to know what it feels like to do something the right way. Exactly. So those are, those are a couple, I mean, it's nothing crazy practical, but I do think imitation is is really, really concrete way to get better. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. And a lot of it, for me, I think it'll be a couple things. One, remaking beats that I'm, that, and maybe full songs that I like. Another could be working on, I think I do want to practice guitar a little bit more and expand some skills there. Just sharpen up because I haven't played much guitar the past year, few years. Are you going to go Clapton? Just shut yourself in a room? Probably don't have time for that, but <laughs> maybe. And then I think practicing, I think another area that I need to grow is like in the music theory and chords and harmonies, uh, chord progressions specifically, like just getting the progressions right. I know that's feedback I've gotten from people I've worked with. It's just like, I need a more solid chord progression here. And so that's an area where I want to learn and grow. So I think just going back to those fundamentals and yeah, I'm excited for that. But I think the, for the way that I want to do drills is through projects, you know, like making songs and like having a tangible thing I can be working on because it just gets me more motivated to, you know, dive into it. But, you know, those are great. And I, I think those are right. You've identified specific areas, which is great and necessary. One of the things that I was thinking about as you were speaking it's interesting how like drills allow us like tangible things to work on when the act of creation, like we've talked about a lot, is so not tangible. Mm-hmm. It's so when you ask something like, how did you, I don't know, I'm reminded of this Bob Dylan, you know, in, in interviews before they've been like, well, how did you write that song? And he's like, I don't know. It just, I wrote it in 20 minutes. And people's jaws just drop. And he's like, yeah, I probably couldn't do that anymore. Like the actual act of composition, I feel like with so many different creatives across disciplines, is something that we don't understand. Like you can't just give a set checklist to create a masterpiece. There's so much emotion and context and environment and mood and so many intangible things have to come together. 
that because of that's so abstract, I think drills are a great way to say, well, I can't, I don't know how to do that, but I do know that I can work on this specific thing. And I hope that it translates in a way that I'm not quite sure how. So it is interesting how yeah. like it's a tangible counterbalance to something immaterial. It's interesting too, because I've heard a lot of artists like, um, I think Brian Koppelman, um, who's a director, producer, he, I believe I'm saying his name right, he was a big proponent of like morning pages and just just sitting down and doing like, I think a morning page is supposed to be like five minutes, maybe 10 every morning. And you just open up the page and you just journal and it's just like stream of consciousness, kind of like get your brain flowing. And pre- it's not necessarily a drill, but it, it almost feels like the drill that calls the muse kind of idea where it's just like you show up every day, you do this writing and your, your goal is just maybe I catch the lightning in the bottle this time, but you have to be going out there to catch it sort of every day. So drills are another form of that. I think where you're, you're saying, Hey, I don't know how to come up with the next hit song, but I'm just going to make songs or I'm just going to practice my songwriting, practice lyrics or melodies or whatever it is. Sure. And here's, here's something maybe you can just respond to off the cuff here, throw an idea at you. Not all practice is equal. What do you think about that? Oh, yes. I actually was going to bring this up because nice. I, in Cal Newport's deep work, uh, he talks, and just in general, a couple of different places, he talks about this. They've done studies and there's work been done to look at the, I don't remember the term. I think it's directness of practice or direct practice. There's a difference between generalized practice. So going back to guitar, like just playing those same chords every day versus the practice that like strains where your your hands yes. are like, your hands yes. are like, oh, I can't do that yet. Or you're mad, you're getting mad. You're like, ah, oh, this sucks. Cause he talked, they they've studied these like incredible virtuoso uh, instrumentalists, violin players, guitar players, whatever it be, maybe. And what they've see is it's not just they practice for 10 hours a day. It's that they practice for one, two, three, four hours max a day. And they practice at the edge of their limits. So it's about the intensity of that practice time and practicing on the things that are very, you know, like that you need to get better at and that are a little bit outside of your abilities right now. It's just like going to the gym. Like you, if you're not constantly putting on just like a little bit more weight, then you're going to atrophy. Dude, I love that. I think that's so important. And every musician, I feel like, knows exactly, especially guitar players, when you're trying to get the bar chord for the first time, it just sounds terrible. And it's hurting your hands cramping up, right? That's the kind of like stress that you need. Because Mm -hmm. I think you're totally right. If it's just practice what you already know, well, then it's not really, I mean, there's no growth. And I think it's like got to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think we both agree that like practice is where you're going to grow. I mean, that's not a revolutionary concept, but can we apply it to the, to the craft? There's a great story from Christopher Parkening, who is a classical guitarist who studied under Sergova, Sergovia, I believe. I don't know the exact pronunciation, but really famous classical guitarist. And Christopher is like, how often do you practice a day? And Sergovia is tells him, oh, I practice, you know, a couple hours in the morning and a couple hours in the afternoon. And Parkening said, well, if Scovia needs to practice for four hours a day, how much should I be practicing? And it's stuff like, it's stories Mm -hmm. like that when you're confronted with mastery. And here's an absolute master of the craft. 
who continues to practice. I mean, it's just like Tommy Emmanuel, another terrific guitarist, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's a conversation with him about practicing. He's always practicing. It's not like we can somehow pull practice ever out of our routine as a creative. And what a good way to kind of kick off 2023 to just say, hey, practice is, is sometimes just that thing you don't want to do. It's, it is like going to the gym and it's, it's a little easier at the beginning of the year, maybe to get excited about it. But yeah, I hope that my, I hope my inspiration for it can, you know, withhold or withstand the whole year and everything that gets thrown at me. Cause I really do want to just be dedicated kind of back to those early days of like beginner's mindset and just trying to grow and being excited to get better versus just being so focused on having to put stuff out. But that said, hopefully I put something out this year because that's one of my goals. So I know I'm really looking forward to this, this year for you. Definitely, man. Do you want to jump to the quote of the week? I've got a great one I'd like to throw out there. Maybe get your, your thoughts from the, the late great Pele, uh, soccer player, everything is practice. There's the quote, succinct, compact, everything is practice. What are your thoughts? I agree. I think everything is practice, but then like what we just said, not all practice is going to be good practice. (laughs) Yes. So I just, just I love small caveat. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that. Like, I feel like that beginner's mindset you just mentioned to say someone like Pele that everything is practice. It's just a, it's a mindset of continual growth. It's not, I have arrived. I'm a master. Like Mm. even mastery is like, oh, it's, it's practice. It's, it's part of a longer duration of lifelong growth. And I just, I thought that sentiment was, was powerful there. Mm. That's that's a great note to end on. I love it, man. Well, thanks for talking about this. This was great. Hey, thanks for listening to The Craft with Carter and Colby, where we share what we're learning about the creative process. If you're a writer, music producer, marketer, filmmaker, photographer, or you just love creativity, then this show is for you. Our cover art was designed by Elizabeth Newell. You can learn more about her work at elizabethnewelldesign.com. That's Elizabeth n-e-w-e-l-l design.com and you can follow her on instagram at elizabeth is a designer if you like the show there's three things you can do to help us out first subscribe so you learn when we post new episodes second send the link to one of your friends who you think would enjoy the show uh really word of mouth is going to be the the number one way we grow the show in any way and three if you have a topic you want us to cover or feedback about how we can improve the show or comments on what we've said, you can respond to heycraftpodcast at gmail.com, H-E-Y-C-R-A-F-T podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.